So, praise God. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that your son is alive and that your word is real. And even as Rick and Donna Marie just shared, Father, lives have been transformed by the simplicity of the gospel. Religion makes it so complex. But Father, your Holy Spirit through your word makes it so easy. What a great testimony. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And and we just pray for this campus, the special needs, the Sunday school, the junior high, the high school. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to touch every single heart on this campus this morning. Lord, if there's someone that does not know Jesus this morning, open their spiritual eyes to see their need for a Savior. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's going to be a little bit of a history lesson this morning. We're going to get through Psalm 1. And you're probably thinking, wow, there's 150 Psalms. This is going to be a long study. We'll go through some faster. But for this morning, due to the history, it's just the way it is. You know, in 2015, people around the world streamed just over one trillion songs. Yes, that's trillion with a T. Not million, not billion, trillion. And what's amazing is that one trillion figure is only looking at the first half of 2015. So for the whole year, they know it was well over two trillion songs were streamed around the world. Which only not only shows incredible interest in listening to what? A lot of music? But unprecedented, almost unimaginable growth, as well as unmanageable growth. How many albums, so I googled this, how many albums and singles are released a year worldwide? Because again, the book of Psalms is a book of songs, if you're not familiar with that. It's literally a book of songs. And you probably have a favorite psalm. And as you read that, you read it as a poem, maybe, or literature. But it's actually a song. Now, we don't have the chords, unfortunately. It'd be very interesting to hear some of these songs. But they're all songs. And so, according to one source... The number used to be about 40,000 per year, but that's gone up about 150% in the last 15 years to over 100,000 new songs or albums per year, per year. You see, it seems as if music is woven within our DNA. And when certain songs are heard, there could be an array of emotions that come to the surface. You know, there are songs that have memories attached to them. They may take you back to a summer many, many years ago. They may make you, you know, very happy. Or a certain song may make you very sad because it reminds you of a certain situation. You know, there are songs that, that make you want to get up and dance. And there are other songs that can put you to sleep. It's like, oh, this is nice music. And you just 
fall into sleep. It's just wonderful. It's amazing. You know, there are songs that some people love, and yet for others, that same song is, it brings on that mentality. You know, I love to hate that song. I just hate that song. There are certain songs or styles of music that some would not like to hear at all. I'm in that class or something. Don't, I don't even want to hear that stuff. Don't. And there are other songs that would be questionable if there even should be considered music. That's, that's music? That's a song? You know, I think we could all agree that when we step back to look at the big scope of music, it definitely plays a huge role in all aspects and cultures of humanity. And so as we turn to the Psalms, we need to remember at this point that they were songs. And about 3,000 years ago, Psalm 23 probably hit the top of the charts. It was a song. You know, the songs, or the Psalms, are considered the Jewish hymn book, and, and their title in the Hebrew is called the Book of Praises, the Book of Praises. And we will see over the next few months, there are various human writers attached to the Psalms. We've got a list here. You know, David, he wrote 73 of them. Moses wrote one. Asaph, 12. He-Man, how would you like that name? He-Man, uh. He-Man wrote a song? Ah, uh, I'd like to hear that song. Ethan wrote a song. Solomon wrote two. The sons of Korah wrote 11. So a total of 101 of the Psalms, we know specific authors of them. The other 49, we don't. But we know that David was an avid writer, so probably most of them were written by him. The time frame in which they were written was from the time of Moses, 1450 B.C., roughly, to the return of the Israelites from captivity, 540 B.C., so when we look at the book of Psalms that we have today on our laps, it was put together over an extended period of time. And there's so many of them, they eventually divided them into smaller books, which consist of Psalm 1, Psalm 1 to 41, Psalm 42 to 72, Psalm 73 to 89, Psalm 90 to 106, and Psalm 107 to 150. And those over the centuries have taken the time and they can actually, they believe they can correlate those broken down sections into Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They believe there's a correlation to the first five books of the Bible. Now I'm going to read you some scriptures and we have a slide, so we'll throw the slide up there. But I'm going to read them for sake of time. First Chronicles 15, 16. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, cymbals, by raising the voice with resounding joy. Can okay, I get that picture? Here is King David, and he sets up this system of praise. We call it worship, but really worship is 24-7 for Christians. But oftentimes when we say worship, we immediately think of Sunday morning, a group sings, we sit here and get entertained. We either like the song or we don't like the song. We either participate or we don't participate, depending on how we're feeling that day. But David was a worship of God, a worshiper of God. There's no question about that. He loved to praise God. And notice what David did. He says, with stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals, by raising the voice 
with resounding joy. So as you would come to the tabernacle, the temple wasn't built yet, but as you would come to the tabernacle and you were bringing your sacrifice, whatever sacrifice that might have been, you could see the tabernacle at a distance, but as you got closer, you would then hear, you would start to hear men singing praises to God, lifting their voices in joy. And that's why most churches, not that I'm most churches, will have, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes of music. You may have wondered that. You may have come from a traditional church that didn't do that. And so you kind of stroll in here at, you know, 11.15, 11.20, 11.25, whatever the case may be. But you got to go back to the Word, guys. What was taking place as you're walking to the tabernacle, as you're bringing your sacrifice and you're grumbling about bringing your sacrifice. i got to bring a sacrifice to God again. All of a sudden you start hearing the praises of God. And it prepares you. It can transform your heart to what's going to take place now when you walk into the tabernacle. When you actually bring your sacrifice. And that's why I encourage you to be on time, wherever you fellowship at. If you're just visiting, if you're shopping for a church, get plugged in somewhere and be on time. And come with a prepared heart. Come to be ready to to hear from the Word of God. But part of that process is singing. Well, I don't sing good. who, Who cares? Belt it out. We'll tell you to tone it down if you need to. But, you know, belt it out. Because as you do that, you are praising God. And it helps to transform your mind in that instance from maybe a previous week that's just been crazy. Absolutely nuts. Well, when you do that, whether it's in children's music, as I did this morning, the special needs music, it's not about who's doing it. I know some people get really hung up on who's doing it. They also get hung up on, well, you know, it's not hymns. It's just not hymns. I'm sure that's what they were saying. You know, David, we've been singing this song of Moses for 500 years. Can you give us a break? Can you, can you come up with something new? Now, when you read the Psalm of Moses, they would gladly sing it for 500 years because they were delivered from slavery. And you see, we've been delivered from slavery of sin. We've been set free. And we should come with hearts of praise and adoration. Whatever this week held, it's gone, it's done, it's not coming back. I got today, I got this moment, I don't know if I have the rest of the day. I could die of a heart attack, I could get in a car accident. 35,000 people died last year on American highways. Could be going to Subway, and that's it, party's over. So right now, I only have this short time with the body of, of believers to praise God, to lift His name on high, to get ready for the Word of God. And that's what, that's what I believe, that's what the Holy Spirit was inspiring David to do. David, get the people ready. They're coming to the tabernacle. They're coming to offer sacrifice. Financial sacrifice, animal sacrifice, verbal sacrifice. They're coming to offer sacrifice. David, teach them to prepare their heart. In 16.4, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord. To invoke his blessings to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Did you hear that, guys? We are blessed. You know, we got up this morning, we went out on our back patio. We are just blessed. 
with everything that we have. When you hear of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Egypt, just a few weeks ago, their church getting blown up. Brothers and sisters in Christ in, in Iran and Iraq and Syria and Libya who are being tortured for their faith. Guys, we're blessed to invoke his blessings, to give thanks. That's part of the worship time. It's not just, oh, here's this song. I've heard it a hundred times. Okay, I'll mouth the words. Really? Are you giving thanks that you can even see those words? You know, there's blind people that can't see. Are you giving thanks that you can actually inhale without an oxygen tank? There's people that are on oxygen. Are you giving thanks that you could actually even walk in here on your own and not be pushed in a wheelchair? I mean, there's a lot to give thanks for, guys. But we get caught up, just I do too, we get caught up in this life, in this rat race, and we forget the basics. So we come to church. Okay, there's five songs. Okay, there's ten minutes of announcements. Oh, about time you got to the Word. That's what I came for, the Word. It's just the Word. It's not just the Word. Yes, the Word is very, very important, obviously. But it's the whole picture. We are a family of God. And each member, it says in the Bible, each member is important to the family. If you believe that, your actions will show that. If you don't believe that, your actions will show that. It's that simple. Whether you're single, married, children, no children, you're part of the family of God. You're a brother or sister in Christ. Again, maybe you're church shopping. Wherever you land, know that. That is fact. You are a member of the body of Christ how are you displaying that membership? How are you displaying that? In 23, 1 through 5, so David was old and full of days. He made his son Solomon king over Israel. And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30-year-olds and above. And the number of individual males was 38,000. Of these, 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord. So taking care of the tabernacle, making sure that it's not falling in disarray. 6,000 were officers and judges. So as the people would come and bring situations, they would then evaluate those situations, go to the word of God and judge according to the word of God, at least what's what they should have been doing. 4,000 were gatekeepers. So watching to make sure no Gentile came in to an inappropriate place, making sure that nothing ha- was, was coming into the tabernacle that was defiled or that would cause defilement. And 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments. Oh, man. There's another one. Musical instruments are of the devil. Should never have musical instruments on a stage. The drum. Oh, that's definitely of the devil. It's that beat. It's got that certain beat that invokes certain emotions. Well, You know what? If you read your Bible, David just listed all those instruments. As a matter of fact, here it says, in quotes, which I made. David was not only a worshiper, he was a producer. He actually produced instruments to be used in praise and adoration. Which I made, said David, for giving praise. 
Now, I understand not every church has the same praise, and, and I, I get all that. You know, you might like it a certain way, and if you go there, fine. But just don't go to be entertained. That's not what church is for, whether it's the music or the word. That's not what church is for. Church is to build up a family of God that we can do like a harvest crusade, which Greg Laurie could not do on his own. There's hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. And we're going to need a lot of volunteers here so that we can invite people to come. And if one person, if we have a hundred volunteers just for this, and one person receives Christ, would that be worth it? That was so weak. Are you guys interested in eternity? Would that be worth it? Are Rick and Donna Marie worth it? Guys, we're talking souls. We're talking our neighbors. We're talking our coworkers. Invite them. Let them say no. But invite them. 25.6 All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals. Those loud things? Stringed instruments and harps for the service of the house of God. You see, music is a service. But we think of music as worship. So we come to church, sing five songs, that was our worship. Now we go home and there's no more worship. We got it wrong. That was just the music portion of our worship. Now we're worshiping God by reading his word. When we leave, we'll worship God by maybe praying over our meal with our children out in a public place or at home. We're worshiping God when we help somebody that has a flat tire on the side of the road. And they say, well, it was so nice of you to stop. You know what? God just gave me the time and God loves you and it's the thing to do. That It's all worship, 24-7, if we want to worship. But this morning we're looking at music. It's amazing. And what I find amazing is that even though David instituted this musical system, you can see that it's an actual institution. The scriptures unfortunately show us that this re- institution was forsaken. As well as revived throughout the various kings of Judah. It's hard to imagine. The temple is now built. Solomon's temple is built. And a few years goes by. And at one point, guys, the temple was actually closed. And it was a junkyard. There was trash that was kept in the temple. There weren't people praising. There weren't people worshiping. There weren't people singing, giving thanks. It became a building. Oh, that building over there. Yeah, that, that, yeah, Solomon built that. But we don't, we don't do that. We go to the groves. We go to the, where idol worship is taking place. We take our music to the world now. Because the world is the one whom we worship. It can happen in our lives as well, guys. Because we are worshiping something. We're either worshiping the world and going after the world, or worshiping the word, and going after the word. That's just reality. We are born to worship. So worship with songs and music instruments was a priority for many in the Old Testament, and again, it should be for us as well. It should be a very strong part of our lives, daily lives, because the enemy would love nothing more than to tear the music down. 
I personally believe that Lucifer, the devil, Satan, I personally believe that he was the chief musician. And there's a saying in Christianity, when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he fell into the choir loft. There have been church splits over music. There have been church splits over music. What is wrong with Christians? Are you serious? Worship God. Give Him praise. If you don't like it, pray. Get together and pray and see what else could take place. But a church split? Did you really get together and pray first and die to self first? Or did you just take your mentality of, no, this is the way it needs to be, I'm leaving. That's not Christianity. That's the flesh. The enemy won that victory. We have to be ever careful because the enemy is seeking whom he may devour and he will do it through music. So the Psalms were designed by God to be sung, which by the way is a great way to memorize the word. You know, it's amazing. I, I, I literally stopped listening to secular music in 1978. In, in the car, ever since 1978, car, I went out and busted all my albums, got rid of all my, uh, I don't know if I had eight tracks. I know I had a lot of cassettes. I think eight tracks were pretty much phasing out at that time. Um, but I broke all the vinyl, got rid of all the cassettes, didn't give them away, busted them. If they weren't good for me, they weren't good for nobody else. And I started listening to Christian music since 1978. But it's amazing how I could be somewhere in a store or whatever and all of a sudden there'll be background music and my brain, without the words, my brain can start singing some of the lyrics that I have not listened to in almost 40 years. Music is very, very powerful. There is a message that the enemy wants to instill in our lives and we have to be ever so careful what we listen to. So for me personally, that's why I only listen to Christian music. Because music does influence. It really, really does. And if you're honest with yourself and you look back at your BC days, you did things under the influence of music that you probably would have never done. There was probably alcohol and drugs involved as well. But the music definitely had an influence in our lives. So, as we study the book of Psalms, it's not going to be like we have now where you know every sentence ends with a rhyme of the previous sentence. You know, the Psalms are divided up differently with contrasting and compounding ideas within them. And as we study these various songs, we will see the full spectrum of human emotions, tremendous highs and desperate lows. They will reveal the deep devotion of God or to God and give us a glimpse of His goodness and faithfulness. Some of them, some of them will even show us seasons of the soul, so to speak. You know, Psalm 23, it's a season of the soul. David is proclaiming, the Lord is my shepherd. Something was happening in David's life, a season in his life, where he was reflecting on the Lord, the Lord, he's my shepherd. Psalm 51, it was a season of the soul for David. Against you, God. Against you only have I sinned when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. There was repentance and there was a season of his soul. So as we go through the Psalms, there's going to be those seasons of souls. Others are more, very practical, guiding the reader into tremendous truths applicable to today's reading. Psalm 1 is going to be that. Very applicable, very practical. You see, since the Holy Spirit inspired them all, we would be wise to study 
to meditate, to participate, and to enjoy them. All of them. All 150 of them. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you have a favorite psalm? How many of you have a favorite psalm? Psalms are phenomenal. They're fantastic. But we want to read all of them and study all of them. We want to read from Genesis to Revelation so that we're careful that we don't negate or minimize or neglect something that God is trying to reach us with that day, that hour, that moment. Be in the Word on a regular basis, guys, from Genesis to Revelation. Well, Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man or woman. Blessed here is plural. It means happy, extremely happy. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What do you see happening in that verse right there? Decision. A decision is being made. I am going to decide to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And when I do that, I'm going to make a decision to stand. You see, there's progression and there's digression. And in this first verse, we see a digression. I'm walking along with somebody who doesn't believe in God or someone who does believe in God, but they're taking me away from God. They're giving me ungodly counsel. I'm walking with them. And all of a sudden, I find myself standing with them. And you go, oh, you know, I never looked at it that way. You know, I never, I never thought of it that way. I guess God does allow us to have sex before marriage because we really love one another. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, I really do love my girlfriend. And so we go from walking to standing, and then we go and then we, and we sit down. You know what? Let me buy you lunch. I never, I never looked at the scriptures that way. That is so cool. You've just set me free. You've just set me free. Really. You've just taken yourself into bondage. Be careful. Be careful. Don't go down with the digression. You see, as we follow His Word and His ways, we are blessed throughout the day. You see, when we see this, we might think, well, blessed is the man. Well, God blessed me today. I wonder if He'll bless me tomorrow. Or we might think, well, God blessed me today, so I guess I have to wait till tomorrow. God will bless us throughout the day. It's where your heart's at. Are you open to God's blessings? And again, a lot of times we think of that as monetary, or we think of it as things, blessings that was a blessing to me to hear rick and donna marie's testimony in that time and eternity right there that was a huge blessing to me to know that something that took place five years ago that we didn't know what we were doing not having the technology but having to do something that we shouldn't have done but we did it anyways impacted their lives for all of eternity that was a blessing to me You see, we're blessed in so many ways, but we can miss it. Because we think of it as just money. I got a bill, I need money. God bless me with money. I hope he does, but you know what? You got tons of other blessings. Are you seeing them? Let's look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Scornful there, that is defined as one who mocks. One who mocks. Be careful. Now, we're in the world. We are in the world. We need to go to work. 
I totally understand that. I worked at Motorola 12 and a half years. I worked next to a lesbian for three years. I totally get it. She was open and she told me about it and I was open about my faith and told her about it. I totally get it. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about after work. This is talking about after hours. Be careful. Be careful who you walk with. Be careful who you listen to. Even including work, but more importantly, after work. Because we all have to work. We all have to be around people that don't know Christ, that are not living godly lives. We all have to do that. But notice the scornful is one who mocks. And guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, Christians are being mocked in America. You know, we have a new president. That made it all better, didn't it? That did not make it all better. If you take a stand for Christ, if you say something is wrong, you will be mocked because that's your truth. Don't try pushing your truth on me. I have my own truth. We're living in relativity. It's all relative. It's whatever, you know, if it's your truth, fine. Live your truth. But don't push your truth on me because I don't believe that Bible stuff anyways. It's archaic. It's ridiculous. Don't try to push it on me. What's, what are they saying when they do that? They're mocking the word of God. And they're mocking you for living a life of truth. Be careful. 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Again, this is after hours. We have to go to work. But who am I fellowshipping with? For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? For those of you who are single, you might want to highlight that in your Bible. There's no such thing as missionary dating. Well, I'm going to date an unbeliever and I'm going to win him to Christ. You are going to be so sorry. You are going to be so sorry. And we've heard the stories over and over again of admitting they were wrong and they knew they were wrong, but they did it anyways. And now they're suffering. Read the Bible. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Because it will lead to standing with them and discussing their ideas, which in turn will many times cause us to become mockers of the truth, the word of God ourselves. The word of God consistently and constantly gives us clear answers to our problems. But here's something, and I wrote it out, and you may have heard it differently, but you know, if you tell, if you yell something loud enough and long enough, People will start to believe what is being said. And that's happening in our culture today. If we just yell it loud enough and long enough, we can get Christians to back down. We can get Christians to live in fear of lawsuits. We can get Christians to live in fear because if they do what they if they don't agree with us, we're going to burn their house down. Now, if you don't think that could happen in America, it's happening in America. Not the burning the house, but intimidation. And I'm sure we can get people to testify that in this room. Where if you take a stand for Christ, you will be intimidated to shut up. We don't want your opinion. We don't care about your opinion. Don't ever share it here again or you will lose your job. That is happening for a fact in America. 
that is happening. So don't think this is distant. Well, this will never come to America. It's already here. It's already here. How about if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? Well, what should we do instead? Well, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The word prove there means to test, to examine, to recognize as genuine after examination. Prove. Guys, you and me, we're here studying the word of God so that we can prove when we go out tomorrow, okay, is this person I'm fellowshipping with, is he ungodly? And is he taking me down a road that I shouldn't be going down? And when I get down that road, I can turn around and blame him. But, you know, I really can't blame him because I'm the one that knew better in the first place. So I'm to blame. But since we live in a blame society, I'm going to blame him anyways. No. No, if you have that sense, then you need to do something about it immediately. And stop. Change. Get in the, Come out to men's Bible study. And hang around other, you know, 30 to 40 other guys that love Jesus. Well, that's kind of awkward. Well, how's your life going for you? You want to come up in here and tell us in front of everybody how cool your life is? Because we're all going to be going, this is awkward. <laughs> Ladies Bible study, Wednesday night. Bring the kids out to Calvary Kids Club or Wednesday night program. Getting plugged in more than just an hour on Sunday morning. We need each other. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Back in Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. And the word law there, you might think of the Ten Commandments. You could substitute the word law for word. It would be totally appropriate. The word of God. And And his word he meditates day and night. Why is it so important for us to meditate day and night on the Word of God? Well, in Revelation 12.10, it says that the enemy of our souls, the accuser of our brethren, is accusing us before the throne of our God. Does anybody know? Day and night. A thousand years later, John is inspired to write in the book of Revelation, the accuser? Oh, by the way, he accuses you day and night before the throne of God. So what do I need to do? Let me go back to Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or in the word of the Lord. And in his word, he meditates day and night. That's the answer. If I have the word, if I'm meditating on that and the enemy comes against me to accuse me, I can go to the word of God, I can quote the word of God and the enemy has to flee. It's that simple. He shall be like a tree. The he here is the believer, obviously, the one who is loving the word. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Notice that. This is an evergreen tree. The leaves, yes, yes, dead leaves fall off, but there's always new leaves on there. It's green. It's flourishing. But what's causing it to flourish? Water. 
from what I understand, I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, our bodies are made up of two-thirds water. I don't know how that all works out, but that's what they say anyways, whoever they are. And uh, the earth is made up of one-third land mass, two-thirds water mass. Water is very, very important. We need it. And in the Word of God, you'll find out that the word water is symbolic to the Word of God as well. And so if you're feeling really parched right now, spiritually parched, it's probably because you're not in the Word on a regular basis. You're probably not hanging around other like-minded believers. You just come on Sunday morning. You're probably not listening to praise music, lifting up the name of God. You're probably not reading other Christian material, but you're probably just doing the exact opposite. You got the news on all the time. You're reading articles that that have nothing to do with God, but just have to do with the the world. You're probably watching TV too much and things that are ungodly. You're doing those things. So it's really quite simple. It comes down to you, me, doing what we should responsibly do. Do what? Plant ourselves in the word of God. Be like that tree. That when you walk by the tree, you go, man, that's a beautiful tree. Well, it got to be beautiful because of water. Fertilizer, dirt, but water. Tap root and then other roots sucking up the water. But notice as well, it brings forth its fruit in its season. Not always producing fruit. Not all, not every day. But there's a season. And so it's not like you're going to be producing fruit all the time, man. Just boom, 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 boom. There's going to be time where you're not producing fruit. But you're still in the Word of God. You're still green. You're still lush. You still have the peace of God. Because it goes on to say, and whatever he does shall prosper. Again, is that financially? That's not talking about finances. That's talking about what? The fruit of the Spirit. Which is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Billionaires are looking for those attributes. And they don't have them. Because if you don't have Christ, money doesn't buy it. You have to have Christ. And most of you in this room have Christ. How's the fruit doing? How's the fruit doing? Are you guys producing fruit? Am I producing that fruit? Or am I bitter, angry, resentful, mad, harsh, cold with other people, with my mate, with my children, their grandchildren? What's my behavior? What's my attitude? Would people look at me and go, man, I want to get away from that tree as quick as I can. Man, that's an ugly tree. Or would they want to come underneath the tree and enjoy the shade and the coolness of the tree? It's just a question, food for thought. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. Psalm 1 verse 4, which the wind drives away. The chaff on the outside of the wheat, the the husk, it's pointless, it's useless. It gets stuck in your teeth and really bugs you. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sitters in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's look at John chapter 10, and we'll wrap it up with these verses as the music team comes up, or as Matt comes up. John chapter 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That word perish there is eternal separation from God. If you're here today and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, the fact of the matter is you are rejecting God because God sent Jesus to die for you. And if you reject God, 
And if you reject Jesus, you are saying, I want to go to hell. I don't need your heaven. I'd rather have hell. You might want to read a Bible and find out the description of hell. It is not a pleasant place. God sends no one to hell. But we choose to go there ourselves. Because if you don't know Jesus this morning, I'm telling you right here, right now, God loves you. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you can receive him as your Savior, and I may never, ever see you again. But if you are sincere in your heart and you receive him as your Savior, you are saved and you are a son and a daughter of God. It doesn't get any better than that. But if you stiff-arm God, he's not sending you to hell. You're just saying, I don't want nothing to do with your love. I don't want nothing to do with your free gift. I want to do it my way. My way is way better, and I'm so happy right now. You really want to do some self-evaluation because you're really not that happy. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, eternal separation from my Father. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. No matter what Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Islam may say, Buddhist, whatever you want to come up with, Jesus is God. You've got to do something with Jesus. My encouragement, receive Him as your Savior. Father, we thank You for this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, our flesh, our minds don't like to hear this message at times. Because we want to do it our way. We think we have it figured out. Yet if we're really honest with ourselves, we're lonely, we're tired, we're frustrated, we're mad. We don't have peace. We keep trying to find it. We just can't find it. So Father, right now, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for anyone in this room. We intercede in the spiritual world. We know there's a spiritual battle for their souls right now. We stand in that gap. Open their spiritual eyes, Father, to your love for them. That they would admit they need a Savior. You know, if that's you right now and you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to say a simple prayer and you pray this prayer. And if you mean this prayer, you will become a child of God. And He will give you the fruit that we spoke of, the love and the peace, the self-control. He will give you that freely in His Son's name. So just pray this simple prayer. God, I have to admit I'm a sinner and my pride says don't do this but yet I sense I need to say this I need you I need a savior can't do it. 
So I accept Jesus into my heart right now. I invite him into my life right now. I don't even know what that all means. But I do it. Because I need him. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to be planted in the word of God. I want to be that, that oak tree that stands through the storms of this life. Thank you, God, for accepting me just the way I am and that you will help me to mature and to be more like Jesus as days go by. Thank you that I can now call you Father, my Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the Sunday school teachers. Help us to give them an extra special thank you as we run over this morning. Give them a hug. But Father, we just thank you and praise you and just ask your blessing upon our day and our week as we go. Help us, Father. Help us to evaluate and to apply your word that we learned this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys.